Here we are in Genesis 2. So I'm actually going to skip the first couple of verses because I actually lumped in uh, day 7 of creation with chapter 1. So here we are, and um, and it retells the creation, um, which is interesting that this first section reorders the days of creation. It says that Adam was on the earth before the plants were emerged. So they were created, but not emerged. And then uh, later in uh, verse 15, 16, oh, let's see, further out, uh, 20. So he, God forms out of the ground each wild animal and bird of the sky and brings them to the man and he names them in 19. And so it's a complete reordering of the first section. And so that makes it difficult to figure out which one of them is the symbolic one and which is the literal one, or are either of them literal? Or are they um, are they united, but in some way that we don't get? Uh, I don't know. But just be aware that's there. Um, also, I thing that I found interesting is I always thought of it as um, Eden as the garden. But that's not, that's not quite the case. Uh, Eden is a region, and the garden is in the region of Eden. And here's how I get that. So verse 8, uh, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. Verse 10, a river went out from Eden to water the garden. So the garden is in Eden because he places it in, the, in Eden. But a river goes out from Eden to water the garden. And so a river goes out and then it goes uh, I mean, where do rivers come from? Rivers are either a gathering of water or they're from a spring, and then they flow downhill to where they can water a garden. And and here, this river, it's really interesting because this river uh, splits into four different rivers, and there's an awful lot of uh, detail on these rivers. And so I, I initially skipped over it, but then I, I went back and I was like, man, this is... What are these four rivers, and why are they, why are they so detailed? Especially since these four rivers are probably uh, lost to time and uh, erosion uh, since the flood. And I, like, I don't even know for sure if our existing Euphrates River is the same Euphrates River that we name here, or if it's uh, named in memory of, or they they thought this might be it. So I, that's interesting because there's a lot of geography they talk about pre-flood and a lot of that was messed up by the flood. And so we don't know which parts are the same and which parts are different, if any. But it's interesting that this river um, becomes the source of four rivers. And actually I read a rabbi's account explaining this and how they've identified uh, that it's likely the Euphrates being one of them, likely the Tigris being a second, um, uh, potentially the Nile being the third one, uh, but also that could be the river that goes, um, uh, the Ganges River, or, uh, and, and, and another river in India, that if, you know, potentially those are connected. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, the other interpretation of it is that it's not, it's not that the the river 
splits and branches, but that it um, it is lost and then reemerges. And so the that interpretation has this as there's a, a garden flowing from Eden. It is lost and reemerges as four riverheads, separate, distinct riverheads that water everything else. So that's an interesting interpretation because then these rivers don't have to necessarily all meet in the same place above ground. So that's interesting. I, the, the place that I immediately went because I just got through Revelation was that there are four rivers. And, and now every time I see four, I think four, four living creatures. Because there are four living creatures before the throne of God. And I don't know if there's any parallel there. And I'm definitely not far enough in my Hebrew to to dig through this piece by piece in the time that I have this morning and figure out if there's any connection between these four rivers and the four living creatures with the the lion, the, uh, the ox, no, it's not an ox, the calf, the lion, the calf, the man, and the eagle. Um, yeah, and then the other, the other thing that I think of is when I think of Euphrates and four, is that um, in Revelation there are four angels that are bound in the in the river Euphrates, which might be this river Euphrates, who are then released um, for destruction in the book of Revelation. So that that's uh, immediately where my brain goes in that section. So then uh, God places Adam in the garden, uh, and he. He works it, and he names animals, and no helper is found for him. And God says, uh, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is, uh, who is like him. And then he, uh, he waits until Adam has the, the realization that he can't find a helper among, among all of the wild animals like him. And so uh, God puts him into a sleep, uh, pulls out a rib, and... And he forms a woman and brings her to the man. And he says, This one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. And I've heard a lot of marriage seminars on, on that line, or marriage sermons on that line. Um, that they become one flesh. And I think that's it's significant. And I don't want to lose the significance of it because I've heard it over and over. This is he was he was doing work alone and he needed somebody to come alongside him to to share in the in the in the joy and in the frustration and in, in the um, the hard decision making processes of, of you know figuring out how to garden and do things, uh, even though he was there working alongside God himself. Well, I guess we make that assumption. We make the assumption that God was there working with him in the garden. But maybe God brought the animals to him and he was working alone. I think that's, I mean, God says right there, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so God wants to create a uh, someone who is like him, to work alongside him, to be on its on the same team, and to be bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, to be a united team, uh, just like the 
the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. Uh, they are they are unique, but they are one in in purpose and in unity and in in everything that they are. And so God is one, but He is also in relationship with Himself because He is one with uh, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so He created woman so that um, man and woman together can be one with different roles and different responsibilities, but working as um, both as equal heirs to um, the the rulership of Christ, and and I find that really really neat, and, uh, and it's a shame how much we've messed that up, how much I mess that up on a daily basis. My life is awesome, especially especially with all this all this crazy stuff going on with uh, COVID nineteen. Um, how she has just stepped up in. Um, in gentleness and kindness and teaching of our children as they drive me nuts and as I drive everybody nuts because I'm working from home. And so together we are in, we're an awesome team because we rely on each other, we trust each other. Um, that breaks down fairly often, but uh, as we both press into Jesus, as we both press into God and being one with him, we become more and more one with each other in our trust and our love in, um, in the things that we do that make us unified as one. And, and I think that's the, that's the purpose, is that it's not good for, for man to be alone. It's not good for anyone to be alone. We are meant to be in uh, deep and meaningful relationships that point us uh, toward God and that, that help us in good work that needs to be done. Because we, we fall so often, and we stumble so often, and we are, we are so frail. Like, just the other day, I was I'm slipping toward depression. And I've only been working from home for a couple, you know, like a couple weeks. And it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't, you know, the, the daily tossing back and forth of, of emotions and things shouldn't have that big of an effect on me because I've had years of of solid, um, secure, and hopeful living. Why would why would I now, just because of a few days' events, why would I waver? Why would I be tossed by by those winds of change that are always blowing? And I think it's because we need to have somebody there to to point us back to God, to say, hey, this way, don't, don't go there. It's not a good place. And, uh, and I have that in my wife um, as we work together. And, and I think that's what, that's what it's supposed to be like. A little less frustration on trying to figure out how to do that, but, but like that.